You're listening to Veg Your Best. There has never been a more important time to be vegan. At Veg Your Best, we're here to help you limit and eliminate the consumption of animal products without feeling deprived, overwhelmed, or unsupported, even if no one you know is vegan. My name is Michelle Olander. I'm a life coach, and I want to show you that living vegan is actually the superpower that will unlock your possibilities and give you the confidence to take on your next impossible goal by doing it your way. If I could go vegan in my 50s with all my excuses, I know you can start moving in that direction too. Veg your best and there's nothing you can't do. Episode 98, my conversation with Bobby Giudicelli, author and founder of Read the Ingredients Foods. Welcome, VegHeads. Welcome back, my Veggie Besties. Today's conversation is with Bobby Giudicelli, a serial entrepreneur and author who brings a couple of, well, I think they're some of the favorite themes we've got here on the podcast. Women changing their lives in midlife, vegans with partners who aren't, vegan entrepreneurship, and a subject we don't always discuss that much on Veggie Best, how moving to whole food, plant-based choices had a very positive impact on Bobby's struggle with disordered eating. You will hear about Bobby's food company called Read the Ingredients Foods and her excellent book, Freedom from a Toxic Relationship with Food. I think Bobby's book is one you're going to want to look at yourself, and I think definitely you will want to share it with others, but I don't want to use up your time right now. I want you to hear this conversation. And remember, as you're listening to Bobby, the links to her book, her company, and her products will be in the show notes. Okay, enjoy this conversation with Bobby Giudicelli. Bobby Giudicelli, welcome, welcome to Veg Your Best. Michelle, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, me too. I'm glad. I love that we're going to be talking today about a couple of things. Uh, obviously, you are uh, building a plant-based vegan brand. You have written a book, which is on my to-do list. I have a first draft and people who listen to my podcast have heard me moan and bemoan the uh, process of writing a book. And you have a family business that you've created with your son. So there's a lot for us to look at and get excited about. And you're a woman of, I guess, a certain age is the way I sometimes call my age. Um, and a lot of the people who listen to Veg Your Best are women who have come to plant-based eating, a vegan lifestyle, the ethical considerations in mid to later life. So I think you'll, I think you're going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of fun for people to listen to. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to first introduce, because what I know most about you, I know through your book, a title is freedom from a toxic relationship with food subtitle, a journey that will give you your life back. And I would love to hear about what brought you to a plant-based and vegan lifestyle, Bobby. Sure. So, um, Wow, there was so much to unpack with with your introduction that uh, my mind has gone in seven directions. But um, but to start there, uh, what brought me there was a very long, not very happy journey of the rest of my life prior to then. So the journey to um, that led me really to be aware of nutrition. And it took me to the uh, vegan lifestyle and the whole food plant-based way of eating. Um, started probably 10 years ago or so. And I have been 100% plant-based and vegan 
uh, for probably, I'm going to guess, like I don't have anniversary dates of this. So I'm going to guess it's something like five or six years now. Um, but the prior to 10 years ago, before a major light bulb went on, um, my life was not great in many ways. The younger I was, the less great it was. Um, and food was my drug. Food was uh, the thing I used to numb me, to uh, relax me, to make me feel better momentarily. Um, and I had eating disorders, very severe eating disorders, starting at age about, oh, I'm going to say 18 or 19, and uh, was anorexic for a couple of years, was bulimic for probably 13, 14 years after that. Um, and following that, I had what is now commonly termed, although it didn't exist back then, disordered eating. So everything about food was a challenge for me. Even the part of liking food was a challenge because there was a whole conversation in my head about I shouldn't eat that. I, if I eat that, what am I going to have to do to make life okay? Uh, to make me feel okay, to make my, make it so that I don't gain weight to, you know, the conversations were so loud, were so overwhelming that, um, that something had to give. Now, like many people, the something that had to give, I had to wait until you hit rock bottom sometimes. So, you know, sometimes alcoholics will tell you they know the moment that they said, this has got to stop. I have got to stop drinking. I've got to get my life together, whatever. Um, for me, there were all kinds of health implications that, that, that hit me in the face all at the same time. And I could no longer kid myself. And the kidding myself came in the form of telling myself, oh, I eat healthy. It's just this, this, and this. And, and, you know, and I can tell you what the this, this, and this is. Um, the, the first this was I was a diet soda addict, um, horrible use of diet soda, um, and convinced myself there's nothing wrong with it. Um, the second this was there were times I would still binge. I had stopped purging, but if I was going to treat myself to chocolate, which was my weakness, uh, it was not going to be a piece of chocolate. It was going to be a boatload of chocolate and then promise myself I would never do it again and, you know, and, and pay the, pay the consequences. Um, and the third was there were certain foods and pizza was one of them where I literally had no control, like eating pizza for dinner meant I was eating a whole pizza and that went on forever. Like there was just certain foods, there was no control around. Um, and, uh, so I had to stop kidding myself and I did. And the journey started 10, 11 years ago, maybe 12. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's where it led me. It led me to here with a whole lot of knowledge that I believe I could go toe to toe with pretty much any nutritionist, um, in what I learned. Well, you know, this is always interesting to me. And I, and I hope that if anyone's listening, who is, who is suffering right now, who is feeling really challenged and really hurting, very often I notice people we talk to here on the podcast, their lives make sense in hindsight, in the rear view mirror. And I'd like to just maybe just in, interrupt anybody who's suffering. You can make this probably work more beautifully than you can even imagine right now if you're hurting, because sometimes these challenges, these, these painful things, these shameful things really allow us to unlock something really special inside ourselves. So I, I, I wanted to just interrupt because I, I do know people, um, some people are drawn to vegan and whole foods um, because they do have disordered eating and they're looking for a... Um, they're looking for maybe not a remedy, but they're looking for another option. And would you tell me, how do you think that whole foods work with this area of your life that was disordered? Absolutely. So that was the, um, before I answer that question, and I might have to ask you to repeat the question okay. after I'm done saying this, 
But before I answer the question, you know, I have to tell you, the reason I wrote the book was exactly what you just said. I wanted that book to be there for that person that is really struggling, doesn't know where to go, is toying with the idea of, well, maybe this is the answer. Um, and uh, because that doesn't exist. But the other thing that I got out of, what I got out of the book, which was kind of a surprise to me. I knew I went in with a purpose of, I had made a promise a long time ago of a member ever cured of my eating disorders and disordered eating, I was gonna pay it forward. And that's why I wrote the book. What I got out of it that was a surprise and a gift to me is I had to use the hindsight. I had to evaluate because I tell the story in the book of how I got to this point in my life. So I had to have the hindsight. I had to um, almost relive some of those miserable years um, and the pain of those miserable years. And as you said, the loneliness, the isolation, the, the shame that goes with that, like, why can't we control ourselves around food, you know? And, and the book is written for, to answer some of those questions for those of us that ask the question and really don't know the answer. Now to answer your question, which was, how does a whole food plant-based diet uh, address the needs of somebody in that position or in that state? And the answer to the question, and this is really the, the essence of my book, the answer to the question is, we have a lot of social pressure on us to look a certain way. We have a lot of expectations of ourselves to feel a certain way. And when I say feel a certain way, have the energy to live our lives, to be productive, to, to take care of people we love, to, you know, women in particular in the role of being a mother or things like that. So we have all these expectations and then we have all this, all the food things that hit us. Now, none of us have learned how to eat properly as children. Very few of us, I shouldn't say none, that's not fair. Very few of us have learned to eat properly. And the battle really is how can a mother who is, or father or whatever, how can that parent who is working all day trying to deal with financial pressures, trying to, um, uh, you know, take care of everybody. How can they fight with, I'll just use this as the example. How can they fight the, uh, the advertising for McDonald's on TV, the going to a friend's house and a birthday party and having cake and candy and because what's a birthday party without cake and candy. And even if you're not getting it at home, then you're gonna eat more of it when you go to the friend's house um, because our palate and, and, and worse, the let's go to the baby food that has so much sugar in it that that sugar addiction starts at a very young age. So how do we, you know, I, I say there's three things that we don't learn that are the most critical three things of our lives, how to be a parent, how to be a spouse, and, and how to and, and what how to build a healthy relationship with food. Those are three things we don't learn anywhere. And you know, you don't bring the baby home from the hospital with a manual. Like, how do we do this? And you don't say I do and then get handed a manual on how to be in a in a happy relationship. Um, well, it's the same thing with food. And we have all these other things bombarding us. Uh, the the Big biz, the big food companies put additives in their food to cause us to be addicted. And we think, because there's the other part of big business that's called the diet business. We'll just read this book, follow this diet, and you'll lose that weight. Because in our mind, we were raised to believe it's all about our weight. It's not about our health. That sugary baby food is a healthy food. Our parents were sure of it. And so we have all these issues that come up. Well, what you find out when, what I found out in, in learning and doing the research about nutrition and how our bodies really do operate with food um, is that, you know, if you take all of the garbage out, 
then you can. You you absolutely you don't have cravings for unhealthy food. You are not chemically addicted to food the way you are the bad food, the additives, the sugar, the dairy. All of those things have are are addictive. They're physically addictive. And I could go into it and I won't. Uh, a very technical explanation of why and how we become addicted and we crave so strongly those things that those cravings can be as strong as drugs or alcohol. And, um, and when you go, when you're eating whole foods and you've eliminated the refined sugars and you've eliminated all of the, the, da- the dairy. Um, and I talk about this in, a little, in more detail, so it really does make sense in the book. But when you eliminate those things, food is just food. And you actually love food. Like, I love food now. I did not love food. I, I used food um, back in the day. I love food. I love to eat. And oh, by the way, your body works with you for that because when you eat clean, your taste buds wake up. Like all that diet soda I was drinking was killing my taste buds. When I got rid of the diet soda, things tasted completely differently. Like broccoli had plain old broccoli has flavor. Like it has a very distinct flavor. Um, and, and as a result, like since I've eliminated sugar and processed sugar, everything that has any bit of sugar in it is too sweet for me. It's like too sweet and it doesn't taste. There's two things that happen. It, it, it's too sweet and it doesn't taste clean, if that makes sense. And I didn't, I, I never could have understood what that meant before I eat the way I eat now. Food tastes clean or doesn't taste clean. Like food that is processed loses its integrity in my mouth to my taste buds. This is something that I always find people either believe me or they go, mm. <laughs> but yes, I had the same experience, uh, different, a different journey. But when you're eating virtually all whole foods, your taste buds really change. So people will say, well, don't you miss cake? I haven't had cake. I haven't had, I had, I had vegan ice cream the other day and I loved it. It was a hot day. I loved it. But that is a rarity, that kind of, that kind of a processed food. I would love to ask, how much did you eat? One, one ice cream bar, one of those uh, SO, I think is the brand. Did you have desire for more afterwards? Um, did I have, I guess I did start to think Maybe I'll have another one of those one of these days. I mean, I didn't, I didn't just go, I wasn't just complete, <laughs> I wouldn't say. So it's possible that it did kind of wake up that whole sugary uh, side of my brain. Interesting. Um, yeah. But it's, but people, I think sometimes people don't realize how much you can really enjoy food without all yes. the kind of junk yes. in it. That's yes. Something. And I, uh, the reason I asked you how much you ate is because I have tried so actually I have a, a dear friend who owns a very premium uh, ice cream uh, company. And uh, she gave me a taste of their non-dairy um, ice cream. And I had, and it was delicious for the first three bites. And after three bites, I got that lack of integrity in the food feeling, mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. from the sugar. And, you know, yeah, those first three bites were great, but no desire for any more. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I'm very clear that I put in the book, like my treat now, but I don't even think of it as a treat. It's like in the house all the time and I eat it once in a while and, and a piece is plenty is um, I make my own dark chocolate bark, uh, chocolate bark with nuts and seeds in it and dark chocolate. And it's super, it's vegan and it's super healthy. And, but even, and it has very little sugar, but it's organic and has organic sugar in it. But even that, a small square, maybe twice a week is like plenty. But that's my thing. If I go most of the time, if I crave sugar, I eat fruit, but most, but you know, that's once in a while I eat that and I'll go, huh. And sometimes I don't even, you know, I go, ah, I don't need to do that again. Um, so yeah, everything changes. Everything changes. Yeah. And for example, I can't think of anything more delicious than a date. Most of the time, the, the, a dried date. I just think that's like better than a candy bar. <laughs> 
And I know people who don't eat that way are like going, you're insane. But people who are eating that way are like, I know for sure it is. So it's something some people have to probably trust us a little bit on. Yes. So it explains why as you're going through this process that you create a brand that allows the, the, um, with RTI, read the ingredients foods, you create a brand that has convenience and also is whole food is, is this clean uh, product that you talk about. So tell, tell me about the, the, how that started for you. Sure. So um, in my, um, a couple of years into my journey um, and several things happened. Uh, one is that um, I started eating breakfast. I had not, I was somebody who was actually afraid to eat breakfast because if I ate breakfast, it started a day of eating. Like it would increase my appetite during the day, not decrease it. Mm -hmm. So I would always wait as late as possible to eat when I was not eating very healthy. So in starting into my journey and I started eating breakfast and I'm also gluten-free, I should mention, which adds its challenges when you're out looking for commercial products. Um, and my breakfast of choice became almond butter and on uh, these gluten-free crackers that I have very super healthy, super clean, delicious, great with my now black coffee because coffee used to be, or it, it's coffee with my own homemade nut milk actually, but coffee used to be four packs of equal in the morning. And uh, so now I'm eating breakfast and I'm eating uh, like that. And then I need to start traveling. I need to fly to the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast. Uh, anywhere you go out of the airport that is closest to me is never a nonstop. So literally all day traveling both directions several times a month. There is nothing I could eat in an airport. Nothing. I mean, I, if I get nothing else across to people, I want to let them know, do not, if you are going to go on your own journey, do not leave for all day travel, expecting that you're going to be able to eat in an airport. So prepare. Um, and uh, so that's what happened. And I went, well, I can't even, I can't even bring my breakfast because you can't take almond butter on crackers to on to, you know, it doesn't travel well. Let's just put it that way. I tried. It doesn't travel well. Uh, and so I created some recipes of things that I could take with me and eat while I was traveling. And one of the, uh, we created two products. One of them we had uh, launched uh, originally. Um, we, during COVID, had redone our, our uh, products for a number of reasons, but that's okay. Uh, so we're, right now we have one product called a super loaf. And, but the, the loaf was, the uh, was what I created recipes that I created for myself to travel period. Uh, I had another business at the, at the time. Um, I am a, what you would call a serial entrepreneur. I've had different businesses, never in the same industry. Um, and, and uh, you know, I no intention of making this a business. Um, and uh, as I shared it with people, other people who eat clean, uh, and eat the way I do. Um, I was getting feedback like, oh my God, how do I get these? Will you make me some? Where do I go? Because the truth is this, before I ever, I'm somebody who never wanted to be in the kitchen. Never, never, never. My husband did all the cooking for all of our kids. Um, and uh, I looked and there is nothing that is gluten-free, vegan, and super clean that means no added sugar, no, you know, no sweeteners, no unhealthy fats. Um, you know, it doesn't exist. It literally, I promise you, doesn't exist. So this became my breakfast food. I've been eating this for breakfast every single morning for seven years. And, but we launched the company a, a couple months before COVID. So I guess two and a half years ago now. And, um, and we are making it a business. And, and one of the things that I say in my book is, as I just said before, when you're traveling, don't go unprepared, 
But when you start on this journey, don't leave your house unprepared and don't let your house not be prepared. That is, if you get hungry, have foods that are consistent with how you are eating available. Have them available at the ready because it will take that one time that you, it's like smoking cigarettes. It's like quitting smoking. You know, that one time you go, oh, I'll just smoke this one. No, it takes that one time of being on the road, running into a convenience store and getting a bag of chips or God forbid beef jerky. And, you know, all bets are off because the additives in those foods are going to derail you in the beginning of your journey. As you get on your journey, you wouldn't even look at a potato chip or beef jerky the same way. So not as big a deal, but when you start the journey and that's for read the ingredients that we have two missions. One is that people, we're giving you a brand that helps to educate you about what ingredients should you be be eating. Uh, My partner is a certified nutritionist and I am a uh, self-educated um, you know, obsessive person about a vegan lifestyle. And uh, so educating the public as to what we should be eating and why is an important mission of ours, but making food available and convenient to support that journey was absolutely the biggest part of our mission. Yeah, I think this is really good advice. Also, if people are the second thing you need to remember, the first thing you need to remember is RTI foods, read the ingredients foods. Actually, we go by yeah, so read the ingredients is our brand name. So it is read the ingredients. Unfortunately, okay. we didn't get or couldn't get that URL. So our website is RTI foods. Oh, I see. So it's read yes. the ingredients. That's really the name of it. Yes. Okay, good. And, and we, it's an action item, read the ingredients. And we have blogs all over our website about why and what you're looking for and what's important and, you know, all of that. Because I, I think this is so, such an important thing, especially for people new on this journey or who are trying to help somebody else along that, cre- that choice architecture is not there to be whole foods, plant-based in our, in our, in our culture, in our, in our economy, it, we have to kind of show a lot of um, intentionality to create it for ourselves or for someone we're trying to support on that, on that mission. And I think that this is what makes it hard for some of us. Once you've done it, it's not that bad. It's not that hard, but, but in that beginning part, you really need to make a lot of new deliberate choices. Don't you? Absolutely. You know, it's so funny that I didn't even like this dawned on me when I was writing one of our blogs more than it dawned on me when I was writing the book. So it doesn't really say this in the book. It kind of does, but not really. So you just said, I know it's not easy. The the thing that I've realized in retrospect is anticipation of change is much, much harder than change itself. The change or changing is easy once you make the decision. But the anticipation, the way the human brain is wired, the anticipation of change, what losing our comfort, losing what's familiar, even if it's something not good that we're losing, It's the comfort and familiarity that we seem to be hardwired that we want to hang on to. And the anticipation of being outside our comfort zone is so much harder than actually doing it. Like if I were to tell you, and I do say this in the book, it's one of the easiest things I've ever done. Or if I look at the cost benefit analysis, because I'm a businesswoman, so I look at things that way. If I look at the cost benefit analysis, the cost was minimal for the benefits that were huge, absolutely huge. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really great point. Thank you, Bobby. That's a great point to underline because it is we we've we've created so many habits that aren't sustaining our health and aren't sustaining our 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 lives in so many ways. But they're easy because we've repeated them over and over and over and over. So we don't even think about them anymore. And once you get that, I, people need to trust us a little. Once you just develop some of those, it is just as easy yes. going forward. But that change, that change does take some intentionality. It takes some strategy. It takes some planning. It takes like looking in different aisles of the supermarket and different 
you know, the different um, shelving levels. You have to look a little different places you haven't looked before. And your book is, um, I, I, I went through most of it um, in the last week. It has a tremendous amount of information in it. This is not just how I built this, which you should be on. You should definitely be on that podcast, <laughs> how I built this. But there is a lot of um, emotional uh, eat, what emotional eating is and why we use food and why we use all kinds of things. Um, tell, tell me a little bit about how a, plant, a whole food plant-based diet helps with these emotional um, eating issues. That's actually really simple. So if you're an emotional eater, it's safe. Go for it. Go for it. You know, yes, I would encourage everybody to really uh, to be successful, especially in the early part of their journey to understand why they're eating, to ask themselves why they're eating. Are they eating because they're hungry or are they eating because they're upset or are they eating because they're with other people and they feel it's the thing to do? We eat for so many different reasons other than just um, for sustenance. And and if you're really eating a whole food plant based diet. Trust me, you can't hurt yourself if you eat whole foods. If you eat whole food that is plant-based, you can't eat too much. You can't overdose on broccoli and string beans and apples. I mean, you will get into the legumes or get into the fibrous you know, fruits and things like that. Yeah, you're gonna feel physical symptoms. And we're all aware of that. The bloating will happen. and and, um, but you are not hurting yourself. You're not short-circuiting your microbiome. You're not short-circuiting or putting out of balance the way your body is meant to be in nature. If you eat the wrong foods, if you undereat, if you don't eat enough of the good foods, or even if you don't, if you eat just a little bit of foods that aren't good for you, that is so destructive. So people think, oh, I can have just a little bit. Well, if you're not also eating, like let's take the chocolate example, because we're even going to say the junk fruit vegan who says, oh, but I am vegan. I don't eat animal products. Okay. I get that. But are you eating junk food? So there we have the things that are going to add to your feeling of addiction or your cravings. Um, it's going to upset the balance of your microbiome, the bacteria that, that really runs everything from your cravings to your um, digestive system and your metabolism. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's just not going to happen right. Um, but if you are really sticking to whole food, uh, whole plant-based foods, you can't go ahead. If, if it makes you feel comfortable to make a bigger salad, make it or to make, I eat gluten. So one of the favorite meals for me, so I have two favorite meals and my husband, by the way, I mentioned this in the book is not, does not eat the way I do. He eats the standard American diet. He is swears he will never change. And I'm okay with that. And I dedicate a whole chapter to that um, because that is a challenge for people. Oh, well, my husband would never let me. My wife would never let me, or she won't cook this for me or whatever. Um, but so what we do is we try to eat the same food, only his version, he makes his version and I make my version. So my two favorite meals that we do together are, um, tacos and, uh, and pasta. So when I eat pasta, it's gotta be one of the healthiest meals that you can eat. I get ton of extra protein from the, the pasta itself because I'm gluten-free. And so it's all made with legumes. And I make this incredible medley of vegetables, um, lots and lots of mushrooms and, and I love that meal. But when I'm, you know, done eating that, I'm done eating that. Now, uh, if I, you know, if there's, let's say that you can't, you, you couldn't, if that's the comfort food for me, like it's not going to happen. I might eat it because I'm in that emotional, I want to take care of myself and be soothed but I'm not going to overeat it like I did in the past when it was the conversation in my head about, well, you can't normally, you're not normally going to eat this. So you're going to eat more and you really want to numb yourself. And you really, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. 
And so, yeah, there are days I eat more than other days. Does that mean I eat, I don't know, more carrots and nuts? Yeah. Um, and that's okay. And I've, you know, I'm the same size. I have the same mental clarity. I have the same level of energy. I have all of these things, whether I've had two days of, of stressful, of stresses where I know I ate a little more. Um, but I also don't go automatically to food anymore. I used to, and I don't. It's not the best. It's, it's, not, it's not the thing. Like I love food for what food is. It's no longer, and believe me, I spent well over 50 years eating for all the wrong reasons. And now when I'm eating, it's usually for the right reasons. And if it's not, it's okay. This is, this is, I think this is great because I don't talk about um, uh, eating disorders or disordered eating very often on the podcast because it's not my, it's not my specialty and it's not my journey or my background. I do once in a while pipe up when people give me a hard time that by promoting a vegan or whole food uh, diet that, or lifestyle that I am promoting restrictive eating. And that is why I typically show my, my lunches because I eat a big heaping plate of whole foods every day. I mean, I really eat plant. There's nothing in my opinion, and I think everyone can have a different opinion about what, what does restrictive mean. Um, but for me, I don't feel that I eat anything restrictive. And I, and I always say I always was somewhat restrictive. There were things I didn't eat my whole life that I didn't consider food. Um, and a lot of, and, and I was a very adventurous eater as a younger, as a younger woman, I did, I, I ate pickled pig's feet. I did a whole episode on that. <laughs> so I ate, I ate foods that a lot of people would just go, what? That is not food. So, um, the idea of restriction, one of the things I see people, um, we're talking about like overeating and emotional foods. If you don't eat enough whole foods, that can be a problem. Because it's if you're used to having a nice little tidy plate with your your salmon and your you know whole grains or whatever, you're going to be hungry. That's yep. my that's my suggestion. So though I think it's wonderful people know that this is not likely to send you careening into binging food if you're eating no. large portions. Completely the opposite, you know. So I I address in in the book. There's a whole chapter on. Um, I call it on dieting and I call it the, the four letter the four letter D word. Um, because think about this. So most of us, we can't help it. I mean, I'm, I'm basing this on a sample size of, you know, growing up and talking to every woman I know it's all about their weight, always all about their weight, looking good, being thin. Everybody equates being thin to being healthy. Everybody equates being overweight to being unhealthy. And and it's surprisingly not true. Usually people who are overweight, there is some aspect of health that is being compromised because it, it's, it's really an indication that they are eating a lot of junk. And I would bet their microbiome is, is out of whack because there's no worrying about your weight when your body is really working symbiotically. So, um, but we all come to this, many, many, many of us come to this uh, about our weight. And uh, so I talk about dieting because that's where most of us go for the weight control or weight management or losing weight. And I mean, can you imagine, and I don't know if dieting is in your background at all, but can you imagine um, how, like I think back when you're on a diet, there's nothing more restrictive than being on that diet. They're telling you exactly how much you can eat, what you can eat, you're constantly having to count calories rather than enjoy the food, or you're constantly counting carbohydrates, making sure that you don't get any and that you're putting all this fat into your body. Or I could go on and on and on with all the different kinds of diets, but we tell ourselves it's okay to restrict ourselves for a short period of time. And then we're going to go back to, then it will be okay to have that ice cream. Mm -hmm. And the truth is if that worked, like we wouldn't have the billions and billions of dollars spent on diets because it would work. It would be a one and done. And so bad news, spoiler alert, it's a lifestyle change. It is a lifestyle change, but it's a lifestyle change 
that nature works with you. So you and I agree because this is how we live our life. This is our lifestyle. We don't have these cravings. We don't feel we've given something up. And I am telling you, I, I talk in the book about when a doctor suggested to me that I give up dairy. I was in a business that was all about dairy at the time, that I give up dairy and sugar. And I was like, are you crazy? I said, I, you know, it's all, she goes, well, if you are that fatigued and you feel that miserable and the tests have shown X, Y, and Z, I just want you to do it for four weeks. And I was like, okay, that I can do. And she had me give up dairy and sugar for four weeks. And the difference of how I felt after four weeks was unbelievable. And maybe the first three days were difficult, but after that, it wasn't difficult. And it was a big part of what I recommend in the book as, or what I share as my journey that I truly believe would work for a lot of people that can't quiet that noise Mm -hmm. about, oh, but I can't give it up. I can't give it up. I can't give it up. Well, what are you willing to give up instead? Your health, your energy, you're, you know, playing with your kids and your grandkids. You know, I have, I have six and a half grandchildren. I want to be out there playing tennis with them and skiing with them and riding bikes with them. And I do it now. And I expect to be doing it for the next 10 or 15 years. More, I hope much more. I yes. hope. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I have three and a half uh, grand, grandchildren and yeah, I, I, that gets your attention when you start seeing that they're little and you really want, you want to see them at their weddings and their graduations and their, you know, all sorts of achievements. Yeah. I think this is something um, I, I, I wanted to, uh, to piggyback on that idea of um, what you said before that you're gluten free. This is an area I know a lot of people who are moving in a whole food or a vegan uh, lifestyle find very tricky is also not having gluten. So your products that you make obviously are, are filling that, not filling it, but offering something in that niche, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what other kinds of thoughts do you have about since you eat this way? How, how would you help people who are trying to get rid of gluten? I still eat gluten. I haven't noticed any, any um, sensitivities, but I, I, I'm, I'm open to the fact that maybe at some point I might want to experiment with getting rid of it more. Yeah. So let me say uh, before I answer, um, I'll try to remember the question, but I might have to ask you again. Uh, but let me address the gluten thing. So, you know, everything I did, I did based on my own research and listening to and and reading, uh, you know, from some of the leading experts, most of them were all, you know, were doing it from the point of view of whole food plant-based. I will say the one topic that I have seen that is, I give both sides to. So I've heard doctors who specialize in this area say, At some point, everybody will become gluten intolerant um, because of how gluten works on our uh, microbiome in our system. I have heard others say that, no, it's hyped up. And really why so many people believe that they are gluten intolerant or gluten sensitive is because of the way we grow our grain in this country. Now, I've also, the other thing I'll say about it is the only way to know if you have a problem with gluten as a substance is to take it out of your diet and then try and reintroduce it and see. Mm. And the reason that um, I took it out is because I accidentally had periods of time I wasn't eating it and then did and realized and had no idea what it was and, and uh, that I was reacting to. And then the light bulb went on. I go, oh my God, for those days, I'm not eating any bread. And then suddenly I'm eating bread and very strong reaction. And then when I eliminated it completely uh, and I reintroduced it uh, almost by accident, two months later, it was a very severe reaction. Now that said, so I really did subscribe to 
well, everybody must, you know, I, I did subscribe to believing at some point gluten, we all are reacting to gluten as an inflammatory because inflammation is one of the symptoms people don't even know that they have until they get rid of it. So inflammation is a funny thing. We all walk around going, oh, well, yeah, of course, you know, I had an injury there or the weather is bad or, you know, whatever. No, it's not normal to have inflammation in your body all the time, every day. And we don't know that those aches and pains are actually inflammation or that bloating is inflammation. And it is. So, um, and inflammation was what, uh, and I have had so many orthopedic surgeries that I have every reason, and I've never been able to tolerate anti-inflammatory. So I have every reason to say, oh yeah, of course, you know, my back surgeries and this and that, they're all, um, so, so there's all these things going on. Recently, um, we decided that Sunday night was pizza night. And I have great recipes to make my own uh, gluten-free pizza crust and pizza for me. I've dropped the sauce and cheese a long time ago. Uh, pizza for me is just, just vegetables on top and it's wonderful. And I love the gluten-free crust I make. Well, my husband has been getting in, uh, flour imported from Italy because that's really what good pizza uses, you know, and I am from the East coast. And so I met, you know, that, that kind of New York pizza is like something that I used to absolutely love. So I tasted his pizza and guess what? It didn't have an effect on me. Mm. And so, you know, now I'm sitting here going, it doesn't, I'm, I'm going to still avoid gluten on a day-to-day -day basis, even in the small quantities that, you get it in soy sauce and things like that. Um, but, uh, but it is something that, you know, I'm glad that I avoid. It makes me feel miserable, but it may not be the gluten. It may be the way the gluten is working with the chemicals that we use to grow the, um, I've had organic bread that I do react to. So it's not just, it's not the chemicals, it's something else. It happens here. It doesn't happen with the imported flour. Um, and your question was, my question was, is how would you help people make choices that avoid gluten? Because it is one, if you're starting to get rid of all animal products yeah. and gluten, yeah. it can be like, wow, now what do I eat? Yeah. Okay. So, um, couple of things. And I used to love bread. I mean, I used to love sourdough bread. I mean, when I moved to the Bay area, San Francisco mm -hmm. area from the East coast, I was like, I couldn't get enough of it. Um, and coming from, I actually come from Philadelphia, Philadelphia soft pretzels were like, you know, to die for, for me. Like when I would go back to Philadelphia, I would eat, I, I'd have to eat plenty of soft pretzels. Again, I don't miss it, but that doesn't really answer the question. So what do I eat instead of? Because my book is all about make sure you have substitutes. Um, so I will tell you that I have, I am a huge fan of gluten-free pasta, a huge fan. I actually like it better, um, but, but buy only super clean gluten-free pasta because there is a lot of garbage in um there's a lot of garbage in gluten-free commercially made foods because a lot of the big companies just said, oh, gluten-free is the latest craze, so we'll make it gluten-free. And then they put a whole lot of garbage in it to either give it uh, shelf stable or so <clears throat> fillers and additives and flavor enhancers and whatever they do. Um, so gluten-free pasta is amazing. Uh, and you can find it in different forms. So all the different shapes and you can, you know, the recipes that you can make with just vegetables um, and, and it's higher in protein. So you're getting your protein there. You don't have to add beans and lentils and all of that. Um, and, uh, and actually I've found very few, but I have found uh, gluten-free breads that are vegan um, most of them, again, commercially made are not very clean and not very healthy. I have found them at farmer's markets. I have found them at, there's one East Coast chain of uh, cafes that makes an incredible gluten-free bread. Um, but I've also found three or four recipes that I make incredible gluten-free breads that I think taste better than 
you know, than any commercially made bread. So it's a good, it's a good example of something. If you've tried one and you didn't like it, it, try another one or try it again, or do it a little bit differently. Also read the directions of how you cook them. Some of the, that you don't cook the gluten-free pasta necessarily the same way you do. Right. I just got a, I just got a new one that comes from somewhere. I don't know where it comes from. And all I worry about when I buy it is the ingredients. Um, and uh, because read the ingredients, you know, it's kind of my theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was written in some foreign language. So, and it, nowhere did I see a number. So I had no idea how long you're supposed to cook it. And all my other ones are like eight minutes. So I cooked it for eight minutes. It turned to complete mush. Yeah, I that mean, can complete happen. mush. Yeah. So, so with gluten-free pasta, the one thing that I will say, gluten-free pasta cold is not as good. Like I can't throw it on a salad cold, um, like I used to with regular pasta, uh, but you can run it under warm water and then throw it in your salad and it's delicious. I mean, it's delicious. So the only thing you can't do, I mean, there are limitations. Yeah, you adjust, but I, you know, like everything else. I would never eat meat again. I would never eat regular pasta again. Mm. And I don't miss it. Um, And bread, I've never baked bread before in my life. And the gratification of baking a loaf of bread that I love, that I can eat. um, And there are also commercially, there's a bread that I buy commercially and there's a a bagel that I buy commercially that is both vegan and gluten-free. And um, you're not going to suffer. You know, you're not going to suffer. It, yeah. There's a there's a learning curve and there's an experiential yeah. curve that you have to get out there and try a few different things and not just throw throw the pasta out with the bathwater or whatever, whatever the metaphor right. would be. So listen, I want to be uh, conscious of your time, but let talk to me a little bit. Tell everybody about read the ingredients, the products, how we get them, what we can find and uh, how, how you you suggest we try them. Okay. So the one other thing I'm going to throw in there, Michelle, because we had talked about it before is, so my son is my business partner. So I have three sons. I love them all to death. Only one of them could I ever work with. And I want to make it very clear. Like in the introduction, you said we have a family business. I don't think of it as a family business because our goal is that this becomes a very huge business with all the integrity of our products that it has now. Um, but my son is my partner because it's the second business we've done together. And he's the best business partner I've ever had. Not because he's my son. He's very smart. He's very grounded. I'm the one that comes up with some impulsive ideas and he's like, okay, now let's talk about this. The other thing that is mind blowing for me, cause I, this, I became aware of this without it ever being a conscious thing how valuable it is and how rewarding it is for us to have our company represented by two different generations. Mm. Like I've always said, the day I became an empty nested mom was like, suddenly, you know, you, you know, you're losing some relevance in today's younger world kind of thing. It was very interesting because we grew up, I was very, very close to Anna, but still very, very close to all three of my sons. Um, But uh, having Michael as a business partner, I feel like, okay, I'm young, you know, it's like, Yes, I'm out there. I mean, it was many years in business that the people that worked for me and and around me were much, much younger than I was. And I loved that. Um, But this is really like this really just does so much for us, for each other and for the brand. It really does. Um, So read the ingredients. Right now we are uh, sold online at rtifoods.com. And uh, even if you are not actively buying our products, there is a ton of value about food and nutrition and why it is important to read the ingredients and understand uh, labels on foods um, on our website. So I would really encourage you to go to the website and just give us your email address and we will email you and periodically we will do we will do um, promotions and things like that. But the, the value of the information, I think, makes that worthwhile. 
Um, we are getting into grocery stores on the West Coast, uh, up and down California. We are in the process uh, of making that happen. This industry moves at a snail's pace with nobody hesitating to stick their hand out and take money while you're waiting for things <laughs> to happen. Um, it's a, I will, ju I just want to say if I had any idea of the layers and the complexities in the food industry, I'm not sure I ever would have done this. It is, it's so frustrating to me that it is taking us this long to get into grocery stores because we get asked all the time, where can I buy it? Where can I buy it? But for right now, it actually is less expensive for you to buy it online because we sell it in bulk just to cover the, um, the shipping, to ship it anywhere in the contiguous uh, 48 states um, because it is a perishable product. And we need to guarantee that it gets to you in three days. And it doesn't need to stay frozen while it's uh, traveling. And it doesn't stay frozen, but it stays cool. It has a few days shelf life. It's not a problem, but you do want to store it in your freezer and it's good in your freezer for up to a year. Um, and there's directions about how to thaw it or quickly stick it in the microwave, whatever your uh, preference would be. So that's exciting. So people should to, to, to find out where to buy it and how to buy it and what other uh, range of products you're going to be creating. It's to go on rtifoods.com, read the ingredients. That's the RTI. Okay. That's, that's important to know. That's really yes. important to know. Is there anything else you'd like to make sure that, that um, the Veg Your Best listeners hear from you today before, before we say goodbye? Um, yeah. One of the things is that, that again, back to the book, this mm -hmm. book is such a passion project for me. And if anybody gets the book, that wants to reach out to me and share anything. I say that in the book and I tell them how to reach out to me. Um, I want to hear from you and you will get an answer. I want to hear from you. I knew how lonely this journey was for me um, and the years prior to making the commitment to myself. Um, I want to offer that level of support. Um, and it's why I'm so excited to have the opportunity to meet you, Michelle, and to be on the podcast. And it is very important to me that I pay this forward. Thank you, Bobby. Bobby Giudicelli, everybody. So the book's title, and it's all the, all the links will be in the show notes, but Freedom from a Toxic Relationship with Food. And th this journey that you've been on, is it is beautiful that you're offering to help people from the point that you've gotten to. This is something we talk about in, in life coaching is to have this kind of conversation with you in the future, you in the back, and notice, notice that there, there's wisdom, even if you haven't gotten there yet, there's wisdom in the future for you, and a lot of hope, and a lot of, uh, a lot of inspiration. And I think reading your story is going to be really helpful for a lot of people. Bobby Giudicelli, thank you so much for joining us on Veg Your Best. Thank you, Michelle. Really, it's, it's been wonderful. So, VegHeads, what did you think of Bobby? Let me tell you, we did not discuss even half, maybe not even a third of what's in her book, Freedom from a Toxic Relationship with Food, a journey that will give you your life back. I so encourage you to read Bobby's book and to share it with a person that you know could really use Bobby's clarity and message. That book is so full of so much wisdom and so many facts, you are going to be dipping into it many times. And the link to order the gluten-free vegan products that Bobby's created with her company, Read the Ingredients, it's in the show notes, rtifoods.com. Bobby Giudicelli is almost... I don't know, is she exactly the Veg Your Best avatar? I don't know, I think she is. Bright, midlife, vegan, driven to make an impact and to share this lifestyle. So consider following Bobby, reading her book and trying some of her products and let me know what you think. All right, we're almost at 100 episodes, kids. I can't believe it. In the meantime, when you're ready to start your vegan journey, or take it to the next level, please book yourself into my calendar. 
There are links in the show notes and you honestly will be amazed by how much you can accomplish before summer ends. Eight weeks, all about you. Okay? Okay, kids, veg your best and I'll be back next week. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So, until next week, make it easy and veg your best.